the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Milanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Welcome, Biblical Citizens. Let's roll. How can there be so many important decisions on a single ballot? Not only is this the most important presidential election in anyone's memory, but we have all the congressional, mayoral, city council, county supervisor, and many other races. And some of these are going to decide which philosophy of governance has the balance of power. But if that's not enough, we have more and big propositions on our ballot as well, and we need to pay attention. Right now, listeners, you might want to grab a pencil because we're going to be sharing a lot of information with you. So take notes. In a state like California where Sacramento politicians seem so detached from voters, the propositions at least give us an opportunity to make our voices directly heard. We can create new laws, repeal laws, change laws. And today, to help us vote intelligently and from a biblical worldview on all these propositions, we have as our guest Frank Kaser, who deeply studies and then recommends how to vote on propositions every election. Frank Kaser is the founder and executive director for the Christian Citizenship Council. C3 of San Diego, and for the Christian Statesman Internship Program. Frank has been married to Lynn for 47 years and has three married children and five grandchildren. He has served as a pastor and an elder at Grace Bible Church since its founding in 1990. He's currently serving as Elder Emeritus. Frank has been a Christian worldview activist in the political realm for almost 25 years including authoring over 160 columns and commentaries on biblical politics for Good News Etc., The Christian Examiner, and The Washington Times online communities. In addition, he's the author of Christian Fratricide, Why Christians Continue to be Divided Politically. This has just been updated. Welcome, Frank. Are you there? I'm here. It's good to be with you. Frank, how many statewide propositions are on this November ballot? Well, we're blessed to have 12 that we have to look at this time around. And give us a little background. I think this is really important in how you determine what recommendations to make, because you talk about a biblical worldview, and you also talk about other political factors. So so give us some background on that. Well, I mean, it basically started out almost 18 years ago, concerned about how we as as Christians are to vote on the issues of the day when we're allowed to vote on propositions and measures on the ballot. And I decided, hey, I have God's word in my hands. It's got the principles I need for all matters of faith and practice. It should apply to these propositions also. 
So I, I committed at that time to go through every one of these propositions with the biblical lens and say, okay, what principles apply? I'll tell you, it's a real challenge to do that. Because the, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt or shalt not vote on Prop you know, 81. So you have to really look at the text of the, of the uh, proposition itself, the legal text, because that's what we're voting on, not the arguments, not the pros and cons, not who sponsored it, not who paid for it, but the legal text, and compare that to God's Word and see how we should actually vote, whether to accept it or reject it. I think if you go to Frank Kaser's Kaser's Calls site, and we'll give you the contact information later again, but if you go to that, you will be impressed, as I was, by how many scriptural citations are applied to each proposition. And I think you, you see how seriously Frank takes this. So, so that we make the best use of our time, let's get right at it. We're going to focus particularly on six of the propositions. We're going to start with Prop 14, which provides an additional $5.5 billion for stem cell research. So the voters approved $3 billion for stem cell research in 2004. That's all been spent. Uh, I personally have real concerns about this one. I want to know if aborted fetal cells are involved or embryonic cells. I'm very concerned about our spending deficit. Uh, Frank, what's your view of Prop 14? Well, you hit the two major components. I mean, by the way, it's not just a bond for $5.5 billion. It's a bond for $7.8 billion when you count all the interest you can be paying over several decades. But two things. The very first one is it makes it makes it very clear in this proposition that what they're going after is not just stem cell research, uh, but embryonic stem cell research. And it specifically calls out a concern that the federal government wouldn't support this with any funding. So they're targeting embryonic stem cells. And you know as well as I do, life, human life is made in the image of God, and it should be protected and honored. This thing is specifically going after destroying of embryos and use, by, using those, by harvesting those stem cells and putting it towards research that for, for a long time now has not shown any promise whatsoever. So it's destroying human life that only God can do. That's the, that's the biggest one for me. The other one is that it's a bond. Bond puts us in debt for the future. It's presumption on the future. It's, you know, one, one interesting verse is the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. <laughs> so when we put ourselves in the debt, we're basically stealing from the next generation. We're doing things that they have any say in what to do relative to investment of, of funds. And basically delays doing the proper planning should be done. So because it destroys life and it puts us into indebtedness that I think is wrong for government to do. It needs to live within its means, just like we do. I think I think, I think that's uh, those are adequate reasons, in my view, to vote no on Prop 14 for those significant reasons. We're going to now go to the next one, Prop 15. Prop 15 significantly changes the famous Prop 13, which was approved in 1978. It's being sold as only affecting businesses and corporations with big increases in property taxes. Uh, but how do you see this, Frank? <laughs> well, it's called a split roll tax system, then, when, if this is implemented. And basically, who absorbs the cost? We can say that it just taxes... Um, commercial and industrial properties, but in reality, the consumer of those products are the ones that are going to be paying the cost increase. So how do businesses, and particularly small businesses, even the small businesses that are protected for a few years, they will fall under the same proposition if it's approved. And they will be reassessed every three years or less to fair market value. So how does a small business do planning when it has to have exorbitantly high tax increases that it has to accommodate? The other problem 
this puts aside money to fund public education. This, whenever this has been done in the past, whenever money is specifically targeted for a budget item, it eventually replaces what would normally have been budgeted. I call that bait and switch. So this, there's a couple reasons why this is not appropriate. One is, well, first of all, for the bait and switch, but also it's discriminatory practice against businesses, which is, like you said, is starting to destroy the Prop 13 basis for how businesses can plan for the future. And we're going to absorb the cost. So there's a number of things associated with this prop that I think it should be voted against. I, I would strongly agree on that as well. So no on Prop 15, Prop 16 now, which also repeals a previous proposition. So there's a proposition that was passed some years ago that bans discrimination or quotas based on sex, race, ethnicity, or nationality. I will say that, and so Prop 16 is going to repeal this, and there's some prominent uh, powers and forces. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the UC Board of Regents have endorsed this Prop 16. Doesn't this, in a way, take us backwards? Oh, I believe so. I mean, we're talking about affirmative action. That's what Prop, two, uh, Prop uh, 209 in 1996 reversed. It bas- this, that basically said you cannot do hiring actions or contracting actions by any government activity in the state. And that includes colleges and universities based upon those factors that you mentioned, like race, sex, color, uh, ethnicity, national origin, those kind of things. So what this is trying to do is remove those protections so that now the state or any government activity can start to make hiring and contracting decisions based on things other than merit. Biblically, we're to, we're to make those decisions based on how qualified the individual or the company is in order to do the work, not on these non-relevant items which tend to drive in a politically charged environment, right? Those types of decisions. God gifts us differently. We have different experience. But we're all equal work before the Lord because we're made in His image. But to, to base those types of decisions where they're trying to control outcomes as opposed to opportunities I think it's wrong, and I think it's not not biblically based. Yeah, that that's understandable. I wish we uh, could take questions from our listeners, but we'll have other opportunities and other venues, I think, to do that. So you recommend a no vote on Prop 16 because it's actually going to lead to more discrimination, and it always seems to lead these kind of things to unintended outcomes, too, when we do quote, social engineering. So we have time for one more before the break. I want to cover Prop 21. Now, this is the Rent Control Initiative. It's supported by the California Democratic Party, by Bernie Sanders, and by this gentleman. I I don't know personally this gentleman, Michael Weinstein, but he seems to be a very wealthy individual who funds these rent control measures, I believe, nationwide. This one expands to single-family homes, condos, townhomes, Tell us a little bit about Prop 21, Frank. Well, basically, if, if this passes, it'll give counties and cities the authority to exercise rent control over those properties that are rented. It does exempt individuals who have one or two properties, but, you know, it's just a matter of time before that would be changed also. So basically controls how much they can improve, increase the rent for how long and how much you really can get for your properties. Now, fundamentally, I can understand the, the concern here because it's for the homeless and those who have have low income. How, where do they where do they stay? Where, what kind of lodging can they ever get because they can't afford it? So, government has a has an appropriate compassionate aspect of that, 
But in reality, what's happening here is that the government is ignoring completely the various aspects that have created this problem to begin with. The delay in getting permits, labor union costs, taxes, zoning, regulations, environmental impact studies, all of these things create massive costs for the building industry to create housing to begin with. So it's basically government saying, hey, I'm going to leave the log in my own eye, but I'm going to go after the speck in your eye by forcing landlords to be controlling what they can actually rent a property for. So I think this is inappropriate and it's going after the wrong problem. So I say no. And when I think of rent control, two of the cities in the United States that have had the longest and strictest rent control have been New York City and San Francisco. And how affordable are rents in New York City and San Francisco? Time time for our break, but please stay tuned right afterward. We're going to discuss AB5, which is really controversial, eliminating cash bail and other important propositions that are going to be decided in a few weeks. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. God loves San Diego. This is K-Praise, a service of Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with Frank Kaser, Executive Director of the Christian Citizenship Council, on how to vote on the California propositions. So once again, Frank, you vote... You recommend a no vote on Prop 21, which will actually hurt most renters. We want no on the rent control. And next, we're going to discuss the major proposition in terms of funding and attention, Prop 22. Uh, That seeks to overturn parts of the AB5 law that the legislature passed, which severely restricts independent contractors. And I understand there are 2 million independent contractors in California. That's a lot of people. Now, many of them have their livelihoods challenged. What did AB5 do, and what will Prop 22 do if it passes? Well, you're exactly right. AB5 AB puts extreme limitations on the number of independent contractors that are being approved to be allowed to operate in the state, and also under what conditions. Prop 22 would exempt ride-share and delivery companies from being uh, from falling under this statute. Uh, it's, it's couched in terms like app-based drivers and services, those kinds of things, but really what it does is tries to identify the fact that there's companies that exist that through the Internet can basically organize work for independent contractors to provide ride-share and delivery services. The alternative is to go back to, like, taxis or those kinds of regulated industries that are primarily union-based to provide services. So Uber, Lyft, independent people in different communities that can currently do these types of services provide a service for us that's very inexpensive, timely, and supports the industry, actually, as far as across California. So I would maintain from a biblical standpoint, it's not up to government to force how a company um, contracts with independent contractors to do work that's in the best interest of the individual. It can set the time, place, how many hours he wants to work, and everything else. If you, if AB5 pass, uh, stays in place, and these independent drivers and services 
can't be allowed to operate, then they're going to be forced to to become direct employees, which creates all, it, well, it creates massive more increase in costs. Um, government is not to muzzle businesses. That's a, that's a clear uh, biblical term, not to muzzle the ox as it grinds out grain. That's exactly, that's exactly what California is trying to do with AB5 and force those types of things out of business, if you will. The other thing is, the more you force individuals to go into unions or union-based companies, the more you're being unequally yoked with uh, values, if you will, that are contrary to what we hold here. So I would say, yes, on Prop 22, exempt these particular businesses that are app-based for drivers and services to allow them to continue to operate in our best interest and in their best interest. Thanks for that. So yes on 22, which not only protects Uber, Lyft, DoorDash drivers, but it protects millions of us who, as you mentioned, rely on their services. Now we're going to move ahead to, I think, is a very confusing proposition. That's Prop 25. So on this one, as I understand it, a yes vote upholds a new California law which eliminates cash bail for all people accused of crimes, and a no vote overturns that. So what does this new California law do in in terms of releasing those awaiting trial, and what do you recommend on 25? (laughs) It is a confusing one, because it's a yes means no and no means yes, that kind of a problem. But SB 10 is the current legislative law. What that does is say no more bail bonds. If a person is arrested and brought before a judge, uh, if, if SB 10 is allowed to stay in existence, basically what will happen is they'll use a risk assessment algorithm to determine whether it's low, medium, or high risk of that individual showing up for trial or if they would be a safety concern going in the, back into the public. So that's the criteria. And if it's low risk, then they're released and they're expected to come back uh, for trial. If it's high risk, they'll probably stay incarcerated until their trial. And if it's medium, it's a toggle point. It's taking a lot of different factors into into place. But what SB 10 does, it destroys any bail that would be imposed on the individual to help incentivize their returning to trial. So I would maintain... And I had to really look at this closely, but I would maintain when government has a suspect come to it or brought to it, they doesn't know whether that person you know, uh, guilty or not. The assumption is a crime has been committed. So what the government is basically doing is saying, with the bail system, they're saying, I, we will uh, have you be able to put bail up, but that incentivizes you, if you're innocent, to come back to trial and not to just you know, write it off. You'll get your bail back, and you'll be exonerated if you're innocent, hopefully. For the guilty, it's the same incentive. You'll get your bail back, but also you won't be hammered with additional legal ramifications for not showing up for trial. So bail kind of ensures, or it's an opportunity to ensure that the person will come back to trial and they'll hopefully not provide any issues relative to the public as they're released. And this actually is an interesting biblical uh, principle. In Genesis, when Joseph was in Egypt and his brothers came from uh, Canaan, okay, 
he basically said, leave, uh, I think it was Simon, here as you go back and verify that Benjamin is still alive. That's a good, that's that good was, example. Oh, this seems the value that was provided in keeping to ensure they will do what they said they're going to do. It, I think the same principle applies here. The, the the proposition seems like another way to weaken our legal system. And yeah, how do they know what someone's going to do if and they have no reason they they don't forfeit anything if they do take off? So uh, it just seems exactly. like a bad way, idea. When a person faces trial, they get their bail. Uh, back anyway, whether they're uh, convicted or not. You know, now we're going to, we, we, I'm going to try to really power very quickly, mainly just yes or no on the other six props. I'll, I'll say what the prop is. And if you could, it's making it tough on you, Frank, but if you could give a quick bullet point. So prop 17 parolee voting rights. What's the verdict on that? Uh, currently, so <laughs> felons, if you're in jail or on parole, you can't vote. And you have to, after you serve your parole, you can ask for your, to your voting rights to be reinstated. This would say if you're out of jail, you can vote and it's reinstated automatically. And I say no. Parole is part of the punishment that they're fulfilling. And that's an appropriate time. That's, that's not appropriate to remove that uh, to allow them to vote. And they need to take their own responsibility to see it reinstated. It shouldn't be done automatically. Okay. No. Prop 18, allowing 17-year-olds to vote in primary elections. Okay. This is an interesting one because, um, biblically, when I tried to look this up, I found, how, I said, how did the Bible define adulthood? And it's, it's real interesting. You can go to war when you're 20. You can do serious work around the temple back in the Old Testament days uh, when you're 20. And you're personally accountable for your own sin you offer sacrifices for it when you're 20. I think God's defined it you know, chronologically. When you're 20, you've reached adulthood, and I think that should apply here too. Now, our law, the law of the land is 18. I would like to see it bumped up, but it's not going to be. So I really reject lowering it anymore. That is an insight. That's an example of an insight you have through your study of the Bible that I would have likely never come up with. So thank you for that. So Prop 19 is a change in the property transfer tax. Uh, inheritance tax. It's basically uh, existing, the existing laws and state is when you, when you have an estate, an inheritance to your children or your grandchildren, if the parents are gone, that that is not subject to reassessment property tax-wise. And I think that's a good law. And there's a biblical principle for that. Parents are to provide an inheritance for their children. So... The state should not be in there trying to get, uh, get as many dollars out of it as they possibly can, based on you know what happened in this person's life. Got so, it. I'm I'm I know I'm powering through very quickly on these, but Prop Twenty is uh, making a change to felony status. Just what is that? Yes or no, or what? What do you see on that? Um, I say yes. It restores felony status and violent misdemeanor type status, so that when a person's in jail the parole is much harder to get for them. So it's, it's correcting some previous uh, changes that were made in the law that downgraded the seriousness of some crimes. So I'm a yes on this. Okay. We don't, unfortunately, we don't have time to go in detail. I, I know I'm going to jump ahead of you and say you vote no on dialysis clinic requirements. That sounds like an awful lot, 23 and 24. You say yes, and that's complicated. I wish we had time. 
But I'm going to I'm going to uh, move towards a conclusion here, Frank, and say, in conclusion, you say you say yes on only three propositions. So it's no on every proposition except twenty, twenty-two, and twenty-four. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So once again, no on all the propositions except twenty, twenty-two, and twenty-four. So thank you, Frank, so much. I know we've hurried you along. You've got so much information. So uh, please uh, listen up how you can go and get more information on his site. Thank you so much, Frank. Thank you both. Thanks for being with us. To bless your neighbor this week, go to ChristianCitizenshipCouncil.com. Review Kaser's calls for more detail on these propositions. Do your own research as well. Notice the organizations and individuals supporting and opposing each proposition. That can be a clue as to which position is likely to represent your values, but also consider the biblical principles that are behind each one that we've outlined here today. Next week, we are hosting Ruth Weiss of the Election Integrity Project. She'll be telling us how we can keep our votes secure, what we can do to help prevent voter fraud, and other questions that we have about the upcoming election. God bless you. Till next week. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.